Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Clueless Capitalist, where we discuss angel investing and we help you become less clueless with angel investing. My name is Razi Shah. And I'm Osman Ahmed and together we're The Clueless Capitalists. So in this episode, we are going to be discussing Pattern. Pattern is a startup from Pakistan. They are in the space of restaurants and making it easier for restaurants to get their customers to improve their loyalty and to give rewards to customers who come to restaurants um, for repeat visits. And we've met the founders in our most recent trip to Pakistan and we were amazed by their energy, their passion for solving what they see as a very big problem in the food and beverage space in Pakistan. And they actually have a very stellar pedigree in terms of their previous startup experience, which we will share with you very shortly. So, Osman, maybe you can share a little bit more about Patton. Okay, well, let's just walk through their uh, pitch deck. Now, we, we met these guys in Pakistan and they were quite enthusiastic and energetic about this particular problem. They've seen it, they've experienced it, and they know that there's a demand for this. So they actually did a minimal viable product. And so in, in the startup space, a minimum viable product is something to prove that your idea has a demand for a customer. So uh, the simplest example of what a minimum viable product is, is I think I have a great idea. Let me put a website up to say, here's my solution, click here to see more. And the minimum viable product can literally be just counting how many people stumble across the website and click on that button, right? You, you've proven demand. Now, these guys have done more than that. They've actually uh, created a paper coupon and uh, and they went out and shared it amongst uh, their friends, family, and they literally found through word of mouth that restaurant owners were contacting them to say, hey, how do I get signed up to this program? So they knew they were onto something. They'd proven that their minimum viable product worked and that there was a pent-up demand within the restaurant, food and beverage industry. So you can see the deck that they've they've got, and let's just go through it one by one. I mean, and maybe before before we go any further, right? What stage are they at um, in terms of fundraising? Are they look? Is this the seed stage, pre-seed? Where are they right now? They're, they're at is seed stage. They've they've raised a, a significant sum. They're, they're still open to additional investment at the moment. Okay. And, and just to put that into context, you, you've probably seen a number of posts. If you're if you're active in the angel investing space, you've seen some posts that were pushed out by Y Combinator, and some posts coming out from other notable startups in Pakistan that are battening down the hatches because of the uh, impending recession that they believe is going to come along. And Y Combinator has basically said. If you're a startup, you need to have two or three years worth of runway. What does a runway mean? It means how much money are you spending per month, and that's your burn rate, and how many months will you be able to run before you run out of money, before you run out of runway. So if you run out of runway before you've finished getting your next fundraising round, 
you've pretty much got a disaster on your hands. That's basically what we're trying to do here, right? So they've been given advice that they need to extend their runway. They need to raise more funds so that they have at least two years worth of the ability to function without going and asking for more money. Why is that relevant for Pakistan? Is because if you've been watching the news in the past year, year and a half, the amount of money that's coming into Pakistan through venture capital has been quite significant. And it's just been flowing in. There's lots of startups, lots of high valuations, and, and people are used to just saying, hey, I need to raise some money now. I'll get it. And then in six months time, I'll raise some more money and I'll use that for my next six months and I'll raise again because that's how the market was a few months ago. Markets have changed now and people are saying we're not going to be that easy to share money. And if if you're going to be running your business, make sure that you can function without that type of fundraising mindset for at least 24 months. Yeah, so times have changed. It seems like uh, it's going to be some tough time. So let's let's look at Pattern and see how uh, we can um, share with our viewers um, what Pattern does and hopefully see if they might be interested in uh, in backing this particular startup. So if you could look at the problem that uh, Pattern is trying to solve, what we know and even in, I think this is a problem uh, across the globe, even in Singapore, restaurants um, struggle. Uh, They struggle to increase their revenues. They struggle also to retain their customers. And I think a big challenge in a space like, if you look at Lahore, I mean, they have a booming food scene, right? So you have uh, restaurants with a lot of repute, you have upcoming cafes, and it's just so much options for the consumer and they wouldn't likely go to the same place over and over again because they want to try other places. It's similar in Singapore as well. Customers love to try new and upcoming places, which means that restaurants struggle to retain their customers. Um, and when you think about marketing, um, restaurants are being restaurants always have it tough when it comes to marketing because um, they don't really have that much marketing budgets. And we know that with uh, the competition in terms of running ads online, uh, the restaurants really struggle to uh, be able to justify or to be able to invest sufficiently in their marketing. So that's on the restaurant side of things where they have this challenge. And on the customer side of things, I mean, there are no personalized rewards for loyalty. I mean, recently I went to a new salad shop here in Tanjung Paga. They gave me a physical card with a chop and um, I usually put them into my wallet with a lot of hope, but the honest truth is I always lose these uh, pieces of paper. So what Pattern is going to do or what they aim to do is to make sure that there is some form of a personalized uh, reward system, which doesn't get lost uh, in the form of a paper slip in my wallet. They also want to create a community for the diners and they want to create in the market, there is no one-stop solution for both dining in picking up and delivery. I think the apps that are out there, they usually do uh, pick up and delivery, but to combine all three, um, it's something that I have uh, yet to see. These are the two um, areas that Pattern is trying to solve. So the problems that the restaurant faces and the problem that the customer faces. So those are the problems. And then maybe Osman, you could share with us what is Pattern proposing? Yeah, so they've actually developed an app and it's, uh, it's something that, it is equivalent to card that you get given in in your wallet that you collect the stamps and hopefully you'll you'll remember to bring it with you when you want to redeem your points and rewards. The frequency, the the tool itself, 
allows restaurants to place themselves in into that tool and to encourage users to come in to the restaurant. So you've got one app that encourages the uh, the diner to frequent a particular restaurant. It gives the restaurants a lot of insight into uh, who's coming more often, what type of food do they buy, um, what type of uh, dining experience that they're looking for. From a customer perspective, it costs them nothing to download the app. Costs them nothing to use the app. So for more repeat visits, you get more discounts. So it encourages the diner to go in more and more often. And from that, from the type of actionable insights that you get, you can start to promote particular menu items. Now, when we met with these guys, they were explaining how some people would stop going to a restaurant because when they went to the restaurant, the, the item menu that they were looking for was no longer there. Um, and so they were saying, oh, we really wanted that particular dish on that menu, it's no longer there, only to find out that they were still serving it, they just messed up the, the menu, right? Maybe just to, just to add to that, I think they changed, they had actually changed the name of that item on the menu, so it was still there, but the name was now different, and the customer was like, oh, they couldn't recognize that it has been, or they were not aware that the name has changed, and they assumed that that particular item is no longer on the menu. Yeah. So the name change was the cause of the confusion. Yeah. So these guys have created a tool which effectively allows people to view the menu, allows people to order in advance, allows people to get rewarded for going back to the same restaurant a number of times. Or if you're in a chain of restaurants to go to different different branches of that chain and get rewarded for it. And you're taking your phone with you everywhere. So why not? Now, for, for most of us, including Razi and myself, we've seen tools like this before. There's the entertainer app, for example. There are other apps in Pakistan as well that kind of claim to do the same thing. These guys have just really hit a particular niche and they're really focused on one particular industry vertical, the food and beverage industry and they're going to go big guns into that so that that's basically what they've done with regards to the market size in pakistan i mean you can take this with a pinch of salt if you wanted to but the interesting thing to talk about here is we talked about this before in the previous video about the the demographics of the country the the increasing affluence of the people and the number of restaurants that there are. Think about SaaS as a technology, and what makes SaaS uh, software as a service really important is that you do something and you don't need to keep on increasing your operational expenditure as your um, market grows, right? And this is important for me when I look at a SaaS solution. Is it an industry um, that's growing, 20% year-on-year growth, so it is. And are these guys addressing a niche that they can defend? And they are. You know, they're, they're actively going into just one particular vertical for the moment. They're really focusing on it. They're looking to get entrenched. They're looking to become the, the number one name in that industry before they start trying to play around with anything else. And that's important for me. Because if you look at some of the other startups that have been well-funded in Pakistan, they pivot like crazy. They look at something, they'll say that it's a great idea, and then they see something else which is shiny, and they'll try and do that. 
and they fail. Right, so these guys are understand them, uh, understanding the market, they understand the dynamics that they're trying to address, and they're going big guns in it. So they're looking at a growing market, they're looking at a particular niche. And that for me, when you look at SaaS, that's really what you're looking for when you're looking at any kind of SaaS solution. Yeah, so for me, that's important. And I think they've kind of summed that up in this one particular slide. And before I hand this over to Razi, I mean, the competitive landscape is important, but I've seen some uh, kind of meme, memes around this as well, right? That people will typically pitch their capability in a favorable light by picking on things that they do and then making sure that their competition don't do that, right? So it's interesting to look at it and and do, do some of your own research as well, right? In-store customer analytics, of course Food Panda don't do it. They're doing delivery. And if they are going to do analytics, well, you know, they're going to do analytics for themselves, not for the restaurant. So it's under, understanding why uh, Food Panda chooses not to do in-store customer analytics because they're not in-store. You know, they're not they're not driving people into the store. They're wanting you to use their delivery service for the restaurant and take a big cut, cut and commission. These guys don't do dynamic loyalty programs. They they uh, charge high commissions. All of these things are problems within the industry. Whenever I see uh, startups in this space and whenever whenever they start comparing themselves with, uh, say, GrabFood here and uh, Food Panda, it's always looking at that commission, that 30 to 40% commission that these platforms charge. And they always step in and say, hey, look, we're going to be uh, charging a smaller commission. And that becomes something that a restaurant owner gets excited by and it really gets them to set up and notice and that's exactly one of the things that pattern has done and of course like you mentioned right interactive menu technology i mean food panda and the other uh, platforms that are here on this deck they want people to dine in at home and they want you to deliver right they want their their and their mission is to deliver to you as fast as possible so clearly they will not have interactive menu technology because it is not in their best interest. But I'd say what I find interesting about Pattern is this whole dining, takeaway and delivery thing that they're trying to do. And that's something that I've yet to see because if I look just from my experience here in Singapore, you have Food Panda that does uh, pickup and delivery. And uh, when we think about um, dining in, then you have to use another app like Vita or Tab Square that's there in, uh, in most of the restaurants here. So there's no one, at least in the Singapore space, who's marrying all three. And it's interesting to see Patton attempt that. And I'll be also curious to see how do they execute uh, in the months to come, attempting yeah. all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to note, you mentioned Waiter and Tab Square. They're addressing a very, very real problem in the food and beverage industry. And that's really around capacity of restaurants. And, make, uh, and the real cost of having wait staff, right? So in Singapore, for example, you can't hire wait staff anymore because before in Singapore, you would get people coming in from Bangladesh or from the Philippines and working front of house uh, and, and they'd be earning relatively, you know, relatively low salaries, but still significant cost for a food and beverage place. And the biggest issue that people had was I've got customers they spend 15 minutes looking at a menu. They spend another 10 minutes trying to get hold of a wait staff. And then they spend another 
15 minutes after they've finished their meal, trying to get the attention of a wait staff to get bill delivered to them. So they've wasted, you know, for the restaurant, that's the real problem. Table turnaround drags out. And on top of that, they don't have enough wait staff anyway. Right. Whereas in Pakistan, that really isn't a problem. We talked about the demographics. There's lots of people, lots of young people that there isn't that much of a pressure to cut down on front of house staff. Right. Um, but, to add, but to add to that, right? Yes, there's no pressure to cut down on the. F- uh, I mean, when we went to the restaurants that we visited in Lahore, they had a lot of uh, wait staff. That wasn't an issue. But if you remember our experience at Cuckoo's Den um, in Lahore, we struggled to get the attention of the waiter because the space was so packed. And if you had a solution like Patton, where you can just look at the menu and place your order and make your payment, then we can just sit there, enjoy the view and not have to try to make eye contact with wait staff when, or try to get the attention of the wait staff, you know, and be really anxious about getting our order in. We could have just ordered on using the app and then we can just spend the rest of the evening chatting, enjoying oh, yeah. the view while waiting for the food to come in. Yeah. So in terms of a real problem in, in European spaces, the, the issue is around table turnaround and, and optimizing that cost. In places like Pakistan, in those particular restaurants, the issue is really around just getting waiters' attention, right? And they've got the, they've got enough wait staff. It's just that they're like distracted by other things. So um, these guys are, are looking to address some of those problems, and and we know that that's something that they're working towards. But again, with competitive landscape, it's always worthwhile doing your own research as well and looking at in, into all of these uh, other companies to see what they actually do. And if there are others, because there are others that are not mentioned in here. So they've gone through in this deck about how it works. You'd list your restaurants, the restaurants are there, which locations they're in. So it's location-based dining too. You can then pick out the items on the menu, uh, place the orders directly through pattern to get the personalized uh, offers, get the rewards unlocked. Um, based on your on monthly frequency or order volume, and then the restaurant app itself, you know, gets uh, grows their business and pan receives its percentage cut from that. Right, so it's really quite straightforward. Restaurant loads its menu onto onto that, works out how much discounts that they want to offer for repeat or volume customers, uh, and the restaurant app itself that the restaurant owner uses is able to then pull out the data as well. Who's coming to my restaurant? How often are they coming? How many people are they ordering for? So then you can start to customize and tailor the offers to uh, a particular demographic. I mean, and that's the biggest issue for most of these restaurants. Half the time, they're not really that sure what's driving people to place an order or to come to a restaurant. Is it for birthdays? Is it for, you know, um, work events or anything like that? So they, they've got very clear roadmap as well. And again, with, with all of these things, you know, life happens, but this is the idea that they have. Launch the app, enable quick commerce, they do the uh, vertical expansions into retail apparel and hospitality. So they are looking to expand into those, but they need to establish their brand. That's what they told us. They need to establish their capability and then in the future, do buy now, pay later. Now, 
I'm glad that they've left that till later on because we still think, well, at least I still think that Buy Now, Pay Later has some issues around it. And I think there's going to be more uh, questions that are going to be raised about how you go about funding that and whether it's sustainable or not. And I think this is a good enough runway to allow that particular segment of the market to develop. I'm just curious to see how um, how the delivery thing is going to work, which they're planning to launch uh, later in the year. Because I was just looking at uh, food food pandas uh, numbers from uh, from last month, and um, though they generated some really impressive revenue uh, in the past year, they're still in the red quite significantly. So, be interesting to see how um, pattern. Of course, they're not delivery only; they have their dining and their takeaway and their pickup. So maybe uh, things will look different for Patton. Yeah. And one, one thing I've noticed with Buy Now, Pay Later, it seems that almost every pitch deck that we have been uh, reviewing, always in the product re- roadmap, is there's always a Buy Now, Pay Later component. Yeah, I've noticed that. And uh, I mean, and I always, you know, kind of roll my eyes a little bit when, it, when I see that because it's a fintech fad. You know, and uh, and for me, the question is, is is it sustainable? You know, like to, uh, who's who's actually funding this, you know, capability? Who's who's providing, you know, interest-free credit? Yeah, because uh, at, at the end of the day, that free money is going to run out somehow, and there's got to be an incentive to do it. And for me, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, that's my big question, right? So I'm I'm kind of glad that they're leaving it till later because. I still think there's going to be some big changes in the market regarding uh, regarding this type of fintech function and capability around buy now pay later, and we've seen this in other decks, right? We've seen it with Prio Shop, we've seen it with other similar solutions coming from coming in from places like Bangladesh, and it's it's good to know who's funding it and how sustainable that's going to be for a longer term. So, yeah, when we were talking about the minimum viable product, I mean, these guys are actually onto something, right? They've they've got $15,000 of monthly recurring revenue. They're growing at a significant amount um, in terms of month-on-month growth and, the, uh, and in terms of order placement. So I think those are the metrics that matter. How much volume of, uh, of dollar value are they processing? How much is it growing by? And I think I made the facetious comment a while ago, right? I think when we met them, you know, you can talk about 45% month-on-month growth or 120% month-on-month growth, but if your dollar value is very low, it's kind of meaningless, right? Um, so here we just want to know, is is that a sustainable amount? Is 45% month-on-month good? And for a 15,000 MRR, that's okay. Now, remember, they're taking 5% on there, right? So you can see how much revenue they're generating for themselves uh, as a company. And, you know, the the questions would be be to ask what the burn rate, what do you expect that burn rate to go? Because at the moment, the biggest issue is, is how sustainable is that burn rate? How long is the runway, depending on, on how much commission you're taking? Um, but that's 15,000 MRR of GMV based on 19 restaurants, right? So it's not even a lot of restaurants at the moment, and it's only one city, right? So, um, but the benefit that they're taking to all of the restaurants is, look, since we launched this app, your revenue has increased by 15%. 
Right, so we are actionable insights here for the restaurant to say you've implemented this solution, you've seen a net increase in in revenue into your restaurant in the in the last 30 days, and and they're generating repeat orders, so the loyalty is actually there. So um, I think that's that's pretty good. And the average order value of $14, it might seem quite trivial for people not in Pakistan, but that's a significant. Uh, dollar value for the average Joe in Pakistan. What I really liked about were, uh, both Waji and Yaya when we met them was like when I was talking to him, I said to them, the you know the solution itself doesn't wow me, right? It's not like an amazing thing, but they've presented it well. They're very clear on how they're going to execute. What really wows me is the team, the individuals, the the founders. Because let's be honest, most of the time at angel investing stage, there's not much to go on other than do you like the founders? Do you trust them? Do you think that they're capable of executing? Look at these guys' backgrounds. So they've they've all been like uh, Waji and Yaya. They're like employee number one or two at, at Dastiger, right? And Dastiger is doing quite well. So these guys have actually given up significant amounts as well by by uh, spreading their wings and, and starting their own company. Because when you're in a, a, a startup that's growing and scaling like, like Dastiger is, there's uh, stock options that you're giving up when you leave, right? And obviously, if you've made some investments yourself in the startup and you trust it, but you're still giving away a significant chunk when you leave. So the fact that these guys have done that and they're choosing to start up their own company tells me that these guys are motivated and they're driven because they're on, they believe that they're onto something. And because of their past experience, they've got the experience of how to scale so we're not talking about startups anymore. I know it is a startup, but these guys are masters of scale. They know how to scale a business, how to recruit restaurants. They know how to uh, get them onboarded. They know how to scale their applications and tools to support the increase in volumes, right? So these guys are really good at what they do and they know that they're the skills that they need to bring to the table. And I think just to add a bit more to what you've shared, uh, Osman. So for everyone who's watching, uh, Dastigil is similar to Prio Shop. So we've seen our previous episodes on Prio Shop. So Dastigil is similar. Um, what they do is they are B2B e-commerce marketplace, and they are also helping small retailers um, connect. Uh, basically, they're trying to fix this whole uh, supply chain uh, problem, right? And they're helping uh, connect small retailers to, to the right suppliers. And what I liked about, uh, if you look at the team here, everyone on this team is from Dusty Gear. And I just did a quick Google search and uh, Dusty Gear is on the verge of raising raising uh, $45 million in Series A um, and uh, at $100 million pre-money valuation according to Deal Street Asia. So these guys were the guys who brought Dusty Gear to, to that level where they've onboarded 55,000 retailers, which is really impressive. And if you look at this team, everyone is from this, uh, from Dusty Gear. So that's what uh, makes it really interesting for an angel investor to want to invest in this, like what Osman saying, not so much because of the problem trying to solve, but because of the, the quality of the team and 
they believe that this problem that they are solving with Patton is significant enough and one that uh, they find really exciting and they would like to work on solving over the next few years. It's absolutely spot on. Uh, and I think this is what really stands out to me when you look at the founder. You're looking for a pattern and, uh, you know, no play on words intended there. But uh, when you look at the founders, you're looking for that particular pattern. Um, are they capable? Do they have a dynamic? If it was just one guy, I'd be questioning it, right? But they've already got a team. They've already, you know, they've not so much... Um, like built the team they've hijacked the team from Dastagir and brought them across so these people that have come across with Yaya and Waji these guys already work together they already understand each other they're a functioning team there's none of this you know NBA talk of storming forming norming and performing that's not going to happen here they've already got to a point where they've functioned as a performing team before and they're moving and they're transplanting themselves and creating this new company and the you know the, the storming and forming aspect is around the fundamentals of pattern not the fundamentals of the team dynamics here right so for me that gives me a lot of lot of comfort that both Yaya and Waji have got some very interesting dynamics between themselves they've, they've worked together before and they've brought on people that they already trust Right, so they've got a core team that's reliable, dependable, and has got the ability to execute. So what are they raising then, Osman? Well, I mean, they're raising 450,000 to expand into three major cities, Lahore, Karachi, and Islamabad. And they've got very clear views as to what they need to spend that money on, right? So product and tech, you would expect, customer acquisition, Definitely, they need to spend money on that to, to actually like pound the streets and recruit the restaurants and make sure that they're on board and just to expand that into different verticals when they're ready. And obviously, HR meaning staff cost, right? They, they need to recruit more people to get that. So, they're raising that 450k, they've already raised a significant chunk of that. So, there is some space left on the table for people that are still interested in getting in. These guys are incorporated in Singapore. So we talked about this in our previous video about how, you know, sometimes it's difficult for in investors like, you know, angel investors like ourselves to go ahead and invest directly into uh, into a company in Pakistan. But these guys have learned from their experience in, in Dastagir and have already incorporated an entity here in Singapore. So when you're investing, you're actually investing and getting it, getting uh, uh, your rights on the Singapore entity. We talked about this while we were in Lahore with, with the team and uh, it was quite interesting. I mean, the key takeaway, you can read this, I'm not going to read it for you, but they were ending up using donuts as a means to get signups to their app, right? And it was like the one donut was a dollar. Right. So they, they literally said our cost of acquisition was less than a dollar, right? Because the, the donut wasn't even worth a dollar, right? So they, they said, yeah, you can have a free donut if you sign up to this app. And that's how they got the customer acquisition. So um, for me, it just made me laugh that these guys really knew, knew their market. They knew how to encourage people to sign up and get users onto their app. Uh, and I think this is like a sign of things to come. 
and and I think just just looking at this story, right? What what I really um, enjoyed about it, and what also gave me a lot of um, not hope, but it gave me a lot of um, confidence in the pattern team because here the founders and their team actually went down the Joey's Donut, and they were physically present, and they were making all of this happen. And it just goes to show how how driven they are, and also shows that they really truly believe in what impact they can make for restaurant owners and for this uh, particular industry, especially for businesses like Joey's Donuts. So I think that was really encouraging to see them going down there, getting their hands dirty and truly believing in the value they can deliver. Yeah. I mean, and that's really important because there's one thing to talk about a problem, but another thing to experience the problem, right? And, and see the solution that they're implementing and seeing it executed because it you'll learn a lot more from actually just working through uh, working through the issues on the ground and these guys weren't scared they, they were quite happy to be there on the ground and and get their hands dirty it was pretty compelling so as you can see their pitch deck is pretty concise which is what you expect when you look at a pitch deck as well. You want it to be quite straightforward. This should be the, the leverage that you use to get your next meeting. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and go to that uh, link on Calendly and book a meeting with the founders. They're more than happy to talk you through it and explain to you what it is that they're looking to fundraise for. And if you've got any questions, anything to clarify if you're concerned about uh, some of the approaches to the market that they're taking then this is a time to uh, talk to them about it so you've seen um, the pattern app you've seen the pitch deck that we have run through so in the next episode we are going to be having Yahya and Waji join us the co-founders of pattern app join us to discuss um, their vision and to address some of the questions uh, that we have in addition to what we have discussed today. So if you have questions uh, for Waji and Yahya, please leave them in the comments below. If you enjoyed this particular episode, please like, comment and subscribe. And if you'd like us to feature your startup in one of the episodes, feel free to get in touch with me or Osman. Send us your pitch tag. We will do a run through and we will also invite you for an interview on The Clueless Capitalist. So that's another episode and we look forward to seeing you on the next one.